I put probably a lot of sweat equity into it and about 5000 on the rehab. So it was a very minor rehab. And then I got a tenant in there paying 975 a month. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guests, I want to mention Fund That Flip because Fund That Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on uh, or the main two things are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, a, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt, and uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, So go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show all about helping you move your real estate investing business forward, cutting out all that fluffy stuff and getting straight to the insights that you can use and uh, help you make money and be a happier person and, and just live life to the fullest. Really looking forward to having a conversation today with our guests because we're going to talk about his experience on rehabs. And also he's got a full-time job that's not real estate related. So how he's able to pull this off while having a full-time job. So with us today, we've got Tom Wooderson. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Tom. Tom's been investing in real estate for three years and he is an active real estate agent, wholesaler, hard money lender, and rehabber. And how old are you? I, I thought it was you were 27, but I might be completely making that up. No, I'm 27. You're 27 years old. He's on track to rehab 12 properties in 2015 while, like I mentioned earlier, having a full-time job. So he clearly has all sorts of extra time to watch TV and eat popcorn and go to the movies because he's he's got nothing else to do. One other interesting fact about Tom, before Tom gets into his background in more detail, is that he claims that his, one of the most physically uh, exhausting and challenging things he's ever done is on a whim, when he was 18 years old, he swam across a lake that was three and a half miles long. He said it took, how many hours did it take you, you to know, do that? It was, I can't remember exactly. It was anywhere between uh, three and a half, four hours. It was definitely one of the most physical things I've ever done. Can't remember exactly because he's passed out the last hour and a half of it and some people were carrying him on his back apparently or something on their back. Well, Tom, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background in real estate and what you're focused on now? Sure. So, you know, like you said, I'm doing real estate in uh, Northville, Michigan. It's a suburb of Detroit, Michigan. It's about 30 miles northwest. 
you know, I've been outside. I graduated from Michigan State University about five years ago. I've been doing the corporate grind, you know, for about five years. And then three years ago, I decided uh, after watching a bunch of TV shows and like everyone else in America, I started getting hooked on, you know, real estate, reality TV. So, you know, I did a little bit of investigating and I found there was some local clubs and whatnot. So I decided to, to join, uh, you know, a local club who I ended up meeting Josh Sterling, who was one of your guests, I think a couple shows ago. I can't remember yep. exactly what episode that was, but, you know, I met him. He was a young guy as well. He was telling me the benefits of real estate and, you know, there was money to be had around around our market. And so that night, you know, he pretty much challenged me and, and said, I got to just make a leap in, into real estate and just go for it. And so by the time I met up with him, the next meetup, which is about a month, month and a half later, I went out, I got my real estate license and then I bought my first rental. So it, it was it was great. I mean, it was unbelievable. I was talking to him. He couldn't believe it. And it gave me a little bit more street cred with him. But, uh, you know, I went out, I got my first rental. That was a complete learning process in itself. I had no idea, you know, how to, to rehab a rental or a house. <laughs> so it was a bit challenging. Uh, it didn't need much, just needed, you know, pretty much uh, some upgrades in the kitchen and a bathroom. But it went good. I got a tenant in it. And, uh, you know, I've had the same tenants in it since. And, and it's, it's proven the results. After that, I started looking into wholesaling a bit, did a couple deals, uh, you know, did some joint ventures with some local guys around Detroit and I had some success with that. And then, you know, I started to realize when I was wholesaling that I was leaving some money on the table and I wanted to really break into rehabbing homes. So at that point, you know, I found a great deal. I was going to wholesale it off and make about, I think it was 10000 on the spread. And I decided, you know, this might be a, a really good opportunity to go for my first flip. And so, you know, year to day, like you had mentioned, I'm on track to do 12 flips. Um, I've completed 10 so far and I'm closing on two other projects here in the next couple of weeks. And hopefully we'll have those uh, flipped and potentially sold before the end of this year. You mentioned Josh Sterling. For the best ever listeners, you can check out his interview. It's episode 359 titled, How to Buy Five Houses While Making $30,000 Per Year. And it talks that's in reference to how he began. I have so many questions for you, Tom. Yeah. First is from the moment when you spoke to Josh to when you bought the house, you said how long was it? Well, I met him at the very first meetup and then it was about a month and month to month and a half later on the second meetup that that group was meeting, I had got my license and bought my first rental. You can get your real estate license that quickly? I don't I didn't know that. Yeah, it's you can get it online. It's just about a 40-hour week online exam. And you bought a house. Yeah. How would you buy a house in a month and a half? You know, it, it was just a, a quick deal. Uh, you know, it was probably now that I'm thinking about it, it was maybe close to 2 months, but that's how it ended up turning out. So, you had it closed on by by the 2 month mark? I would have to go back and, and actually verify the dates, but I think it was probably closed on by then. So you paid all cash? It was actually, uh, yeah, it was a cash deal. It was a pretty you know, lower neighborhood area around okay. Metro Detroit. How much was it? What's the rehab? What was the rehab? And you said you have a tenant in there right now? Yeah, so I, I paid $30,000 for it. I got, I put probably a lot of sweat equity into it and about 5000 on, on the rehab. So it was a very minor rehab. And then I had a, I got a tenant in there paying 975 a month. Wow. That's 
That's a good return. Yeah, it's a very good return. Yeah. What type of ongoing maintenance do you think you're going to have on it? I imagine it's a an older home, probably 50s or, or earlier. Yeah, it's it's a 50s home. You know, it's a brick. I don't foresee too much beyond, you know, toilet repair and, and things of that nature, maybe a dishwasher, you know, very minor light repairs. In the next five years, I'll probably have to put a roof on it. But in the immediate future, probably not too much. And where'd you hear about this deal? You know, it was actually on the MLS. Okay. You got, so as soon as you got your license, do you can you get access to MLS while you're being trained? Or do you have to go complete the 40-hour course in order to get access? Yeah, you have to complete the 40-hour course. And then once you do that, you can get some temporary access with a broker after you complete the Michigan board for that. And who is the seller? The seller was just a, you know, an elderly person. He was looking to move out and move in with his parents. I didn't know how motivated he was until I lowballed a bunch of, you know, potential opportunities around the area. And for some reason he responded and, and we came up with the deal. What was it listed for? I believe it was listed for somewhere in the low fifties. Got it. And did he have someone represent, I guess he must've had someone representing him yes. or was he an agent? No, he had someone representing him. Okay. So uh, it was listed in the low 50s. You bought it for $30,000 cash. What was your approach whenever – and the reason why I'm asking about this because clearly you've got a model in place that you buy properties relatively quickly and are doing some you know, 12 rehabs in 2015, a rehab a month. For having a full-time job, it's, it's very impressive – Assuming you're making money, it's, impre <laughs> it's impressive. So I, that's why I'm asking some specifics on this. With the low balls, how do you calculate what you're going to offer? You know, at, at that time, I didn't have uh, too much of a, a real estate understanding of what would be even considered or, or what I would do nowadays. But at that point, I was just giving an offer that I could actually afford at the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I just sent out blast emails. Anyone that was listening in the area I was looking at. I was just giving them a number that was comfortable with what I was looking to invest at the time. Interesting. And how much work is it to make an offer, just one offer? What are all of the discrete steps that you have to take? You know, for me, when I was making offers on it like that, I was just sending an email to the list agent and saying, I want to offer 30 grand cash, can close very quick. If you want to move forward, let me know and I'll get a purchase agreement together. What were the responses you got? A lot of not responses. I didn't get many, but... Um, you know, a lot of them were, you know, take your money elsewhere type responses or that's way too low. <laughs> no, what what did they say? Give me an example. You know, I can't remember. It's been so long since I was, you know, making them on, on that kind of format. But if I can, you know, remember, it was mostly just get lost type of responses that my <laughs> seller would never consider that. Why would you insult us with these kind of offers, et cetera? How many did you have to make? It was a lot. I, I don't remember the exact number, but it was definitely a lot. I, I stayed on the MLS for, you know, lots of hours just sending out those emails. Is a lot five? Is a lot 100 or is probably, a lot 500? Yeah, it was probably within 50 plus for sure. Okay, so between 50 and 100 offers, lowball offers, and they were all at $30,000. Yeah. And so there was no negotiation. You just said, this is, I've got 30K. And then they'll come back and say, well, I'll take, you know, 45. Nope, I got 30. So there was no back and forth at all? No, there was some back and forth. A lot a lot of the people that I was offering at the time ended up just not working out. But the one that they actually bid on my very first rental, there was a little bit of back and forth. And I stayed 
firm at the 30 grand and they were able to meet me at that. Okay. Now you've got 12 properties or you're on track to rehab 12 properties. How has your acquisition strategy and approach evolved? Well, there's a lot more, I guess, a lot more of a methodical approach to my offers. So most of the time I'm buying distressed type homes uh, that clearly are, you know, either hoarder houses or something that's visibly or aesthetically not pleasing. So I will use that as my advantage and leverage in the the email or the phone call and say, hey, this this home, you know, it's great. It's needs a lot of work and I will put numbers behind how much work I think it needs. And I'll put a little bit of a premium on that. So, um, you know, most people don't know truly what things cost when you're rehabbing a house. So I'll inflate that number a bit and, you know, hopefully just convey to them, this is the number it's going to need to even get it back to habitable or livable. And that's been a good approach. Can you give us an example of maybe the recent, the most recent purchase and how that exchange went when with you and the seller's broker? Yeah, so I was buying a, a home that uh, you know was listed on the MLS. I came in; it was listed for 150. It came in. I, I saw the property; it needed a ton of work. It you know it had uh, it was down to the um, cement pour, and uh, the kitchen was a mess. It smelled like there had been a hundred cats living in it and whatnot. So I went back. I, I measured the whole house out, got the uh, you know the quotes together of what I think it would take to you know get a new roof on it, get everything, new flooring throughout, um, carpet where there was going to be carpet, and I itemized that out. Um, and once I had that itemized out, I uh, drafted an email saying, hey, love the house. How did you get to that price? I'm, I'm kind of wondering how you got to a 150 list price uh, when it needs $70,000 of work. But I'm very interested. I'm a cash buyer. I can close in 10 days. Let me know if you know this offer will work. And how much did you offer? I ended up offering 105000 Okay. So you offered 105. You said 70K and that you said was premium pricing. How much did you anticipate it actually cost? I was thinking I was going to put 30 to 35,000 into it. Okay. So you essentially doubled it. Yeah. Okay. And did you end up, you said you bought it at 105 or you offered 105? I offered 105. I ended up getting it at 100,000 because I went back and during the inspection period, I had some, what do you call it, the heat sensing technology that kind of looks through walls to see plumbing issues. I took a couple of those screenshots, the infrared technology, and said that there was major plumbing issues. And I didn't elaborate too much, but I said it was going to cost, you know, at least 5000 to fix it. And I ended up getting another 5000 off. I don't know how it worked out, but they ended up agreeing at that. So, Did you get an inspector to do that, or was that just you with, with some fancy technology? I actually have uh, the Seek Thermal. It plugs into your iPhone, and it works pretty well. Uh, it's something equivalent to what an inspector would use, like a FLIR technology. And it's a Seek Thermal app, and it looks through walls and looks for what? You can see, I guess, any kind of water or temperature ratings behind walls. So if there was a water leak, uh, you would be able to visibly see that the temperature behind it was significantly lower than what the temperature of the wall was, and it captures an infrared picture. That's so cool. I will be downloading. It's called Seek Thermal. Seek Thermal, you have to buy an accessory for the iPhone. It's, uh, I believe I paid 200 for it, and it clicks right into the uh, phone itself. 
with these properties, do you not have a, an inspector come out? The first couple, I, I had them all inspected. You know, I would say probably the first three I did this year. And then I, w- I did the walkthrough with them and I would notice what they were looking at, what they were looking for. And then at that point, I stopped using an inspector because typically they'll use a, a template inspection and they'll just, you know, go through it. I, I And I don't think they're looking for anything too significant that I wouldn't catch myself. Through that process, have you missed some things that you're like, oh God, even though for the most part I'm catching everything, there's this one thing that if I would have hired an inspector and paid 250 bucks or whatever it would have been, I would have saved 5,000? Yeah, I mean, there was a couple misses and it was probably code violations that I probably should have caught. One was an egress window in a basement of a finished basement that I probably uh, should have known, but I never caught it at that time. And another one was a, a chimney, a brick chimney that was actually pulling away from the house. That was what? It was pulling away from the house. What do you mean by that? Um, so the actual chimney itself was detaching itself from the siding of the house. Oh, it was like deteriorating. Pretty much. And it was kind of covered behind the uh, flashing of the siding. So I, I never caught it. How much were each of those, the egress window and the finished basement and then the brick chimney just going to pieces? So the egress window, I ended up uh, having to, to put that in just to get it up to code to certify with the city. Uh, that cost me around, I think, $2,700 to put that in. Um, and then the, the brick pulling away, I ended up giving a seller concession on it because it came up on the buy side of it, on the buy side of the inspection. And I believe I gave 2500 bucks for them to, to fix after getting three or four different quotes in. How are you doing these flips while having a full-time job? What team members do you use? So I have a couple guys that work for me on every project. Uh, I have a handyman. I have a painter. But it really goes into systems. I, I remember probably one of the hardest parts I've ever had was I had three flips going on and a full-time job. And it was so crazy. But I put the proper systems in place that helped me get through it a little bit. You know, there's one tool that really helped me a lot through that crisis was just payment schedules for the contractors. Seems like uh, before I had any kind of payment schedules or draw schedules for them, I was getting a call every Friday. They needed to pay their guys and they needed the money right then. And once I implemented that, I stopped getting the calls. They knew when they were going to get paid and it almost incentivized them to get the job done quicker. When you're doing these 12 properties, I've talked to flippers and I've got um, one of my friends is a flipper here in Cincinnati. He's been on the show, Jared Sturm. And he talks about how with his contractors, he tells them every three or so properties that there's going to be competitive bids and come in with your final and best. And it's only with the contractors that he knows does a good job. That way he keeps the cost from escalating because he's noticed that costs just magically escalate the more and more work you do and the more comfortable you get with them. Have you noticed that with your your team? Yeah, so a lot of, I do requote business pretty, uh, I would say often on at least every project just to keep the guys fair. But we have pretty uh, agreed upon pricing. So I know what they're going to charge me to put a toilet in. I know what they're going to charge me to lay tile. You know, that's all been predetermined. And the guys that I've ended up taking to a couple different other projects have been fair and have been, you know, a decent value for their, their work. 
for the painter, how much does it cost on average to paint a house? So I'm paying $2 a square foot for interior paint. Okay. And I tried going lower than that. I one time went down to someone that would do it for $1.50 and it was a nightmare. It was very sloppy. It was noticeably bad? Yes. With your, your team, you mentioned you have a painter and a handyman. Yep. What about any other team members that you need or or is the handyman just incredibly handy and can do everything else? You know, the handyman used to work for uh, bank foreclosures and he would get those ready to be resold. So he's handy with plumbing, carpentry, laying tile, you name it, this guy can do it. He can put it in furnaces. So he, he is extremely handy. There's another roofer that I have that I call on a couple projects. If I need a roof, he's, he's done a couple for me. But it's mainly the, the painter and the handyman that are going with me. Tom, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? You know, I would say probably when it comes to rehabbing a home, always include at least a 20% buffer for incidentals. And why do you say that? Because there are so many things that uh, you may miss, i.e. like I, when I missed the chimney pulling apart or, you know, it, one time I had a flip that we were doing and there was a big storm that came through and it actually ripped off some of the siding on a house that I was going to just paint. And I ended up having to reside the entire house because uh, the aluminum siding blew off. So there's, there's things that are um, unseen that will come up on these flips. So you want to at least count for them. And if you put a 20% buffer in there and you're still going to make money, then I would say go after the project. Well, how many hours in the week do you work at your full-time job? I'm working about 40 hours a week. Okay. And is it kind of a clock in, clock out type of job? It's a salary position. So, uh, you know, the expectation is to be there at least 40 hours a week. And so, you know, right now I'm actually transitioning to leave that position here the first of the year to do real estate full time. So I've been just given the minimal 40 hours a week. Okay. And what are your hours? You know, it's the nine to five. Nine to five. Okay. Basic hours. Yeah. I may come in at eight and leave at four, but. When are you doing the flips and overseeing the flips then? The weekends, uh, I'm working all weekends on the flips, overseeing those, and then uh, after hours. So right when I get off work, I'll be going to the flips, making sure work's getting done on time. How are you paying for all 12 of these? You told us how you did the first one, but what about two through 12? So it's a mixture between uh, you know private money, credit lines on myself, and I guess hard money. So private money, meaning friends and family that have been helpful in the process. And then hard money and, you know, credit lines. What are the terms that you're getting on each of those three? Let's first start with private money. So private money being friends and family, I've been successful with getting about 8% with no points. Credit lines? Credit line, it depends. I mean, it's like when I'm saying credit lines, it'd be like a Lowe's credit card to fund the material and the rehab. Okay. All right. So it varies. Yeah, it varies. Yeah. It's not like a personal line of credit from a credit union. Correct. Okay. And hard money? Hard money varies anywhere between a couple of points and 11 to 18% interest. And are you lending, are you receiving that from local Detroit lenders or are you finding nationwide people? You know, everyone so far that I've worked with is local. I am trying to expand to try to find money elsewhere, but right now it's just, it's just local hard money lenders. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to 
fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health and they make the whole process really easy and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you and on average, they can save you 400 bucks a year, and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com forward slash best ever. Tom, what's the best ever book you've read? I'm going to have to go with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But if, you, if it relates to just flipping alone, the best book I've ever read is Flip. That's by Clay Davis and Rick Lanny. And best ever listeners, you can hear Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, on the show, episode 262, episodes titled, Want to Do a Deal with Robert Kiyosaki? Well, you better have the answer to this question. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it? Best ever personal growth, the first big rehab I did, uh, you know, I borrowed a lot of money and I was very scared at that point. But, you know, you got to realize that money is just a tool to make more money. So once you kind of separate yourself you know, from the money itself, and you realize it's not the worst thing to lose it because you can always make it back. That's been the biggest growth. Once I've been able to switch my mindset to that, it's helped me tremendously. Very powerful insight. Best ever deal you've done? The best ever deal I've done would probably be the easiest uh, deal I did. It was just a rehab. It was a lipstick on a pig type rehab. It was very easy in and out in a couple of weeks, and it grossed the most amount of money. When you listed on the MLS, is that is that the title, Lipstick on a Pig? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what are the numbers really quickly on that best ever deal? That number, I just have the profit number of that in front of me. Okay. How much was it? It was uh, 48000 48000 You remember how long it took you? It was about three and a half weeks. We did carpet, granite, and paint. Best ever way you like to give back? Best ever way I like to give back is just with my time. I've been, uh, you know, very active in local real estate meetups and whatnot. And if there's people that that may be scared to take the leap, I I like to do what Josh did for me three years ago because it really changed my life. And and that's just to motivate them to go out there and and go for it. What what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? Uh, The biggest mistake I've made in real estate, you know, that goes back to probably not negotiating tough enough and buying right. So you, you really make your money in the rehab business by buying right. And there's been a couple of properties that I probably should have done a little bit more diligence on. And what's the best ever place for the best ever listeners to speak to you? You can uh, go to my, my website, which is twholdingsllc.com. You can also go to my personal website, which is thomaswooderson.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook. It's twholdingsllc.com. And where, what's your personal? It's Thomas. Just your name? Thomas Wooderson, my name, dot com. All right. Well, Tom, thank you for being on the show yeah, and sharing it. your advice. Yeah, with the best ever listeners. And boy, you are a man of action when you're talking to previous best ever guest, Josh Sterling, and you know talking about what you want to get into. And then two months later at the next meetup, you have definitely gotten into it because you have your not only your real estate license but an actual property and well underway of you know renting that out. Really interesting how you found it just through the lowball offers, getting probably many expletives sent your way through email, through text, 
through phone calls as you're giving these lowball offers. Your science behind it was no science. It was just a necessity because you only had $30,000 to invest for that. And uh, you were just going to make $30,000 offers. Made about 50 plus offers, somewhere around 50 offers. And then found one and um, you know paid thirty thousand for it, rehabbed it for about five thousand, not including all the time that you put into it. And now it's got a tenant in there for nine hundred and seventy-five dollars rent in Detroit. And the way that you are funding these is also interesting. I'm glad that we got into the specifics of your capital and how you're getting it. One is private money and about 8% with no points is what you're getting with the private money. So friends and family. Two, credit line. So credit cards, Lowe's, Home Depot, that sort of thing. And then three, hard money. You're paying a couple points and then 11 to 18%. And then thanks for getting into the best ever deal as well. Took about three and a half weeks, made 48K. And what number, what deal number was that, by the way? That was deal number six. Deal number six. So right right in the middle, just kind of, if there's ever a lull or a question during these 12, then you hit the hit right in the middle and you're like, okay, let's let's keep on rocking because this 48,000 is kind of nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show, giving these specific pieces of advice and also that Seek Thermal app that you said that you use to check water temperature uh, or check the temperature of the wall to see if there's a difference between the temperature of the wall and the actual inside of the wall cost 200 bucks for accessory that you have to plug into your phone but good to know and and good to have if you're doing this full-time or in your case if you're doing it part-time but essentially it is a full-time thing because you're doing so darn many of them so all right we'll talk to you later my friend have a best ever week and thanks a lot for your advice yeah thanks a lot have a great one